and gentlemen, will you join me in welcoming to the stage our host for the evening, Deirdre O'Kane, and co-directors Gary Keane and Emily McConnell. Thank you. Shall we get the chairs if you like? <laughs> Bloody hell, I'm in ribbons now. It's hard to know where to begin um, when you've watched a film like this, but I think uh, the fact that the room is still full and nobody's really left for the Q&A, which is unusual, usually at least half of the room leaves. Um, I think I'm just going to start by saying you've made a really special Film. I mean, it's an extraordinary film, but it's it's very special, I think, just because of its Gaza, and I think they're very special people. I watched it before I went, and now afterwards, and I, I, just, I just think what you've done is extraordinary, and I don't know how you've done it. I guess I want to start by asking you that question, and first of all, why Gaza? What, what drew you to make this film? Um, I started working in Gaza in 2010, and I read a story about this group of surfers who were operating out of Gaza. And I actually grew up surfing on the west coast of Ireland in uh, Bundoran, Rasnaila. And, but it wasn't that that actually drew me in. It was the fact that this was happening in a place that you don't expect it. And I, and I went there and spent actually about three months photographing these, these surfers, because I'm, I'm a photographer originally. And, um, and, and the, the story that came out of that was really well received around the world. It was published widely, and people were as sort of surprised as I was by it. And, and it was just an incredible way of bringing people into a place from another angle, because we're all used to this conflict narrative yeah. that comes out of Gaza. Um, and then in 2012, I met Gary, and we started that to talk. That was the start of it then. That was it. And then, <laughs> then something else began. We started to talk about the possibility of making a, a film and I'd never done video before, and then, and yeah, our, our conversations um, led to what you see tonight. I mean, that's a hell of a conversation to start, because you can't get into Gaza and you can't get out of it without very special permission. I went with Troca, and you have to go with an aid agency or something. So how, how did you actually do it? I mean, how much time did you spend there? And when did you begin and when did it end? What happened was that I was working on another project um, about conflict photographers, and uh, Andrew's name came up, and I just called, called, called him and talked to him about that. But I had done a little bit of research, and I'd seen his project on the, the Gaza Surf Club, and I, I thought it was extraordinary. And I'd always been interested in the, the politics of the region, and especially Gaza. I've been fascinated with, with the place for years and years and years, but I never, and I thought a film should be made there, but I never knew anyone who had access, never knew anyone who knew what it was like to work on the ground. And thankfully, when because we, nobody has exactly, yeah, and 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 when when we started a conversation, what was really nice and really quickly happened was that we both realised that we shared the sensibilities of wanting desperately to to tell the story of of Gaza from a different point of view, from the point of view that's that's rarely or never seen, which is just the ordinary people, and let them have a voice because the. the it's an orchestrated campaign to keep them quiet and to, to not let those voices out, you know, to, to control the, the situation in there to, 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 to the extent that only news cameramen and NGOs are let in there. So they, they want that story to be told that Gaza is a place that's just 
conflict ridden and dangerous and needs to be needs to be curtailed and needs to be confined. And that's not the truth of the situation. The truth of the situation is there's two million people living in in a place where they're being collectively punished um, for through no fault of their own. And we always just wanted to try and shed some light on that. So we didn't actually think it would take us this long, <laughs> 2012 to now, but we're really happy that uh, we got the film made somehow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that it has taken that amount of time has actually, is probably what's made it so bloody good. I mean, the, there is a real buzz about this film. You all probably know it's had amazing reviews and it opened in Sundance, right? And both The Guardian and The Times have given it rave reviews and I've no doubt that will continue. But before I keep asking them questions, um, so I think there's about 300 of us in the room and it doesn't actually take an awful lot to get something to trend in Ireland. So would you all use your phones and tweet and do hashtag Gaza and mention the film and where it is and its release because actually our numbers, we could, we could possibly achieve something now and help. You know how important the word of mouth thing is and I think this film is really special and deserves our attention and we should make that happen. So yeah, so what, let me, let me see what I have written down here. <laughs> yeah, your decision, how, how did you decide how to represent Hamas? Because that's a really difficult thing. And where well, did you start? Yeah, I mean, that's crucial. But from the beginning, those early conversations, we, we were both on the same page in terms of, we didn't want to make a political film. We, if you see anything from Gaza, it's, going to be, it's going to contain Hamas, and it's going to contain rubble, and it's going to contain Israel. And, and we're presented with this all the time, and we know this sort of story, and, and the, for the average person, they think Gaza is just sort of a, a terrorist-infested enclave in the Middle East, and they think of only Hamas, and um, that's very much not the case. I mean, you only have to spend about an hour there to know that um, Hamas is actually, the support for them is, isn't that particularly strong, certainly now. Um, and so we wanted to tell the story through the, through the people. Quite simply, to turn the cameras just onto the people and let them tell the story for themselves. And, and, but that in itself has, you know, you cannot go there. It's such a polarizing issue that anything you do there will be, will, people will disagree with it. So we've had people who said, have criticized us because there isn't enough of a mass. We don't see these people, they're not explained properly. But, um, but we stand by the fact that we didn't want to give them a voice. We wanted to give them, the people on the ground a voice. And that, that has defined the whole film. And that, that is very powerful and, and amazing for the people of Gaza because they are amazing people. Like you, you can see, I, I always think that people who are oppressed, you know, have, they have no choice but to express themselves and almost be joyous because, because they have nothing. It's like they are united by the fact that they have nothing and they are really desperate. I mean, the, the United Nations said that they reckon Gaza would be uninhabitable by the year 2020 and we're only a year from that. It's almost palpable, isn't it, when you visit it, that you think, this has just been held together with glue and sellotape. I, I, you know, one more, I don't think they can take another war. But did you feel that? Did you think 
Yeah, it was, it was incredible. We went in in 2015 and we filmed for about, it was about six weeks was it or so, five or six weeks. And um, the situation there at the time, they were coming out of the war. They were starting to get their lives back in order. They were starting to kind of think, maybe that's the last one, maybe, 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 you know, trying to get their houses built again, trying to get some sort of a semblance of normality back again. But when we went back three years later in 2018, last year, last spring, it was so sad. I mean, things had deteriorated so badly. I mean, the whole water table was completely polluted. You know, you're showering in seawater, the, the plumbing in every house is rotten to the core. You know, people are being turfed out of their houses left, right and centre because they can't afford to pay the rent anymore because the jobs have all dried up, everything has been stopped. People, they have this kind of a Dickensian sort of a situation where you go to you mediate, a, 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 you know, you go into mediation to try and offset your, your debt by going into prison and do, do your time to, to... I know, I mean, that was just extraordinary, <coughs> that, that you know, where you see that man. So half, half the people in Gaza are in and out of prison all of the time and doing serious jail sentences. You know, fathers are being dragged out of their houses and thrown into prison for two years to alleviate a debt because they just can't afford working people who just have, have no work. You know, the electricity is down to three and four hours a day, so businesses find it really difficult to keep going. Any refrigerating business are gone, you know, you, you can't, you know, even we know lots of families that with young children, their fridges are, you can't keep fresh food, you know, so they're trying constantly to feed their children with fresh vegetables if they can afford them. I mean, it's just that the sea is, the sea is, has always been their, their lifeline, they, 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 they see it as being their oxygen, even though there's a three mile kind of a limit of where they can go. You can still see the horizon on occasion without a gunboat and pretend that maybe there's some freedom out there. But now the, the, there's raw sewage running into the sea because the treatment plants have all closed down. So it's gotten to the stage where you just kind of go, how far really can these people be pushed? And how far will the international community let these people be pushed? I mean, it's a catastrophe at the moment. It's, yeah. it's just appalling and, and, and to be honest with you when you get to know the place and when you you grow to love the place and get to know the people it, it kind of beggars belief how we not we but you know i suppose we're all in, complicit in standing by and letting two million people you know get tortured and get and, and be forgotten, and well, be forgotten. I, I completely understood when that beautiful man the, the ambulance guy said i hate all people except Palestinians, I, I completely understood that. And I, I have to say, I felt, personally, I felt terrible guilt when I left, because I thought, I can leave. You know, I, can, I was given permission to go and I was given permission to leave, and they can't. And uh, that is just so wrong. That, and, and you can feel also, I think, and you did it brilliantly, the frustration of the young men. So the people who are probably okay are the little ones because they have school and then they have university. But after that, it's the people in their 20s where there's just nothing. There aren't, they've got their qualifications, they've worked their butts off to get them, and there's, there's no work. I don't know what's... I, I wanted to ask you, um, by the way, I wanted to ask you what the reaction was in America to the film. It, it was very positive. We, we had six screenings in Sundance. Um, all of them packed out. I think we played to over two and a half thousand people. And everyone was sort of, people would come up to us afterwards and say, well, we had no idea that this was happening. Yeah. We, we never see this. And they're not exposed to it over there through their media. And we had a great screening with um, high school kids. 
where at the end the Q&A was incredible. It was like, I think there was about five or six hundred, and about two hundred arms shot up. They all were so interested, and they would. They asked us, like, are we implicit in this? America as a country, and you know, when you explain to them, well, actually, yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and we met their their teacher a few days later. She came to another screen. And she said, the kids have been talking about this all week. We've been doing projects about it. The engagement was wonderful, but and even you know we had Jewish Americans come up to us and say thank you for making this film. It's really important. And there was one really telling moment where a Palestinian kid came up to me. I think he was about 21. He said he'd lived in America for three years, and he'd never felt confident enough to tell anyone he was a Palestinian. But he said after watching the film, he felt that he could. Oh wow! Which was incredible, personally. But it also makes you think about how demonized they are in America, where to the point where they feel that they can't even tell someone that they're a Palestinian. So, so there's a huge issue there. I think it's one of the most important places where this film has to be seen, is America. Well, thanks to you guys. Um, it will be. It, after Sundance, what happens next? Do you know with, in terms of American releasing? The problem is it, will, it has been, and we kind of got elated at the notion that Sundance took it on board purely and simply, not, not purely and simply, I mean Sundance is the holy grail for documentary anyway, but we, we also felt really good about the fact that it was, it was American, you know, that it was going to be shown in America, and we had a great buzz with two and a half thousand people, and as Andrew said, th those kids talking to us was just so uplifting, we, we, we left that cinema going, maybe there is some hope for the next generation, <laughs> maybe some something positive will happen in that country that will change things. But unfortunately, since that, um, we have, we, 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 you know, got a, a seriously good bunch of people called Synetic to, to distribute the film over there. And they were really going home about it all, but they're, they're, they're having awful difficulties. You know, every door has been closed on, on us on, in America. There is still that sense that nobody really wants to know this story. Nobody want, really wants this story to be told. Nobody really wants to have this perspective shared. Um, and so it's highly politicized and it's gone so far to the right now that you just worry, you know, where is it going to end up? And you worry personally on behalf of the people of Gaza, you know, what is going to be the outcome of, you know, both Israel's, politi Israel's politics and, and America's politics going so far to the right. Where is the hope left, you know? So um, it's been out in the world and it's been all over Europe and we've had some fantastic um, reaction to it all over the place but when it comes to America it's um, it's still an uphill struggle so thankfully through actually the, the efforts of, of uh, the Department of Foreign, Affair, uh, Foreign Affairs here in Tel Aviv the Irish wing of that and um, they're, they're doing some serious hard work on our behalf to get the film shown in Israel and we're really buzzed about the notion that there might be eight screenings yeah no we can't wait yeah we don't know <laughs> we don't know how to let myself and Andrew in or not, that's another day's work, but, um, but to have eight screenings in Israel would be phenomenal and it's looking like it's definitely going to happen maybe in October, November and that's something we really wow. would relish, you know. Wow, I mean that would be just incredible because uh, when, when I left Gaza and went to Israel, I was, I think the thing that probably struck me the most was how unaware Israelis were of the problem, I mean they're, they're so segregated. They have no idea. They, they don't visit the refugee camps that exist there. They're, they're, the lines just aren't crossed. So I, I think they would literally be... I mean, if our minds you know, are blown and opened by seeing a movie like this, they will be really shocked. It's on their doorstep, but they don't know it. 
Well, we would hope so, and, and if it's the last thing I do, I want to get in to represent the Filoni Seven Andrew to be there, and whatever comes of us, bring it on. Like, because yeah. I mean, the whole idea is is to, to raise a discussion. The problem we had in Sundance was that the, the, some Israeli lobby groups, uh, pro-Israeli lobby groups, would turn up and they'd shout abuse at us and leave. And we try and engage with them and say, well, stay and talk about this. You know, there's no point in throwing out three comments, abusing us, and then walking out the door. Do you want to sit down and have a chat here? Do you want to, do you want to hear our perspective? Because we want to hear yours. We want to talk. But they were never willing to talk. So to get over to Israel and have eight screenings, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some fireworks, but that's great, you know, because it's, at least there's a discussion happening. There's, there's a t it's, it's on the agenda, it's on the table, you know. Well, it's, it's also what absolutely has to happen. I mean, time is running out. I, I, I think that they were right that 2020, it'll be uninhabitable, and I'm afraid for them. So I actually think this has to happen, and fair play to you guys. My God, you've made an extraordinary film. I want to get back to the filmmaking aspect of it for a minute. Um, how did you even begin uh, to edit this film, having shot, I presume, a vast amount of footage? Well, McMahon should be. McMahon should come on the stage here. You'll see. Here. Make, make an extraordinary job. Um, Mick, Mick has been involved in the project from the very, very start, obviously, and there was no money back then, so you know it was all it was all labour, love, and an interest, and. You know, when Andrew first came back with 120 hours worth of war footage and we stopped at the big desk, <laughs> God love him, I swear, he kind of, you know, all right, all right, where are we going with this? So, but we never wanted to make a war film, so we knew we had to get back, and with the help of Screen Ireland, we did get back in 2015 and start developing characters and that, and came back with another maybe 50 or 60 hours of stuff. So, so we sat down with Pearl Mick and, um, and painstakingly started chipping through it and started formulating some sort of a plan. So, but thankfully, um, we got Mick in in 2018. So Mick came back in with us and set up an edit suite in Galway, in Galway, in Gaza. Um, uh, sorry, in Gaza, and uh, had an edit team working with him in Gaza, and was able to work on the ground for four weeks there, and do dailies, you know, we'd, we'd get in the rushes and we'd look at them and we'd discuss them and we'd cut, he'd cut them during the day and we'd come back in the, in the evening with some more. So it was a very small crew, there was myself and Andrew, himself, the guys at lunch, Brendan Byrne, amazing producer, thanks Brendan, because only for Brendan this would never be made, um, working behind the scenes and keeping the whole show on the, on, the, on the road. So it was a very small team of people, but it was very organic and it was very real and it was very... We all were so passionate about what we were doing. Well, I, that's what comes off the screen. I mean, that pure passion is absolutely what comes off that screen, and and love, I have to say, in abundance. And I have to, I have to just say that my wife is also the production manager, Alison, and lived with this for seven years. Got okay, over, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Ali. <laughs> About the people that you made the film about, the particular people that we've seen, have they? Will they get a chance to see the film? Well, that's what we hope to do next. They they haven't so far seen the film. Um, we haven't wanted to send a link in there and have them watch it on a laptop or something no. like that. We really want them to be able to sit in a cinema like you guys tonight and have this collective experience the way a film should really be seen. But none of them have ever been to a cinema because there is no cinemas in Gaza, and. So we're right now trying to set up the uh, Red Carpet Film Festival there, which has ran since 2014. That's the picture we saw at the top. That's, the the that's, oh, that's there kind of, now. Yeah. That's the yeah, most extraordinary this is, image. This is from 2014, just after the war, when they had the, the, the first one. 
and you, you see how they set it up. And, and it did get a lot of press at the time. Um, but since this year, they have been able, you know, unable to raise the funds for it. So we're, we have a, a crowdfunding campaign on GoFundMe. If you guys can go okay. and have a look at that, would be that's great. That's it. If we only do the one um, thing tonight, we'll all do that. And, you know, it, it's such an important thing to bring the arts to Gaza, to bring, to give some sort of release to them. You know, there's, there is no No, it's absolutely vital that that moment she was talking about the fashion show and saying, you know, we've never had one. Like, they have to keep these things happening, if only to show the young people what real life is. They are little bright lights in the middle of this sort of darkness yeah. that they live in. And so, I mean, it's not just we're bringing our film there, there will be a full film festival schedule. Um, but it will allow all the characters to sit down together in a room and I mean for us that would just be an incredible experience. So yeah. we, we hope, I mean, it is going to happen for sure, we're close now. Um, we, we just need a little push to get over the line. We just need but, four um, grand folks if you wouldn't mind. Four so. grand, four <laughs> grand, we can do that. So the GoFundMe page, is it? It's yeah, the it Gaza red carpet appeal. Okay. Well, if we all um, tweet about this film and mention the GoFundMe page tonight, that's a start. Um, almost 300 of us, I think. So let's just do that. Um, would anybody like to ask these brilliant men any questions? Hands shooting up. Um, I, I, just be loud and clear, because we, we don't have we don't have organised mics and things. Oh, we do. It's part of I know. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, this gentleman here. Um, did you have any problems getting your footage out of uh, Gaza? I mean, you had to go through Israel first too. So, did they insist in watching your footage or? No, no. We 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 just we weren't sure what was going to happen, so we left a backup set there just in case anything was confiscated on us. But no, we we we, we were never faced with that at that at all. Because uh, potentially, from their point of view, you could have been doing a very political film. Very well, to be honest with you, from their point of view, we weren't making a film at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, there's a gentleman here. I just wanted to ask, could I get an invite to the screening in Gaza? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's sending an invite, alright, but uh, what do you really think of that? I, I don't know. You, you can get an invite, but can you get a permit to get into Gaza? That's the difficulty. Um, is there a girl here? here? Just on the second row. Yeah. I just want to say first that I used to live in Israel and people over there are aware of what's happening and they are horrified and conflicted because there's a conflict between them because they need to protect themselves but they really want peace and they love the people from Gaza. My best friend is from Kibbutz on the border in, of Gaza and she receives rockets and bombs flying from balloons that they sent in her kibbutz. So first of all, they are aware, but they just want peace. Most of them hate the government, hate what's happening, and they only want peace. So I needed to, to say that. Yeah, Second of, of all, I just wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you want us, uh, what are the feelings, the thoughts, and sentences that you want us to come up with from this one? Well, thank you. I mean, yes, you make a very good point. Um, within Israeli society, you know, it has moved so far to the right over the recent years, and this. The current government of Netanyahu certainly doesn't represent the whole uh, feeling within the state of Israel. And we see, I mean, in the last elections, we see that Palestine isn't even mentioned. And uh, that's, that's very tactical. I mean, Netanyahu himself is only trying to save his own skin. He, he got into bed with the settlers, I think, to form his last government, and that, that didn't actually materialize. 
But yeah, I mean, during the war, I remember the protests taking place in Tel Aviv um, against the war in Gaza. And so there is, uh, it's important to, to remember that within Israel, there's, there's a huge support for, for peace and, and to not take the current path that, that people seem to be on. Um, the second question, I think what we want, I, I mean, we're filmmakers, you know, I don't think a film can, can make change in itself, but I think it can certainly be a, be a part of, of change. And if people come away with simply an awareness and, and a more of an understanding of what Gaza is, that, that in itself is, is, is something, is an achievement. Um, beyond that, I don't think we can hope for much more, but, but, but just creating that awareness and that understanding and the, the people you see here are the people on the ground who are affected by this and it's not uh, a terrorist enclave, it's not these demonized people that, that, that the press in certain places have, have put forth, it, it's something much more nuanced than that. Um, just before I ask another question, in terms of what, what we can do, because I travel with Trokra and because I think something like 70% of the people are dependent on aid, every time you support uh, an agency, an aid agency like Trokra, you know, they are there, they are on the ground um, helping, so the, please, that's all, keep supporting them. Um, now, yes, there's a lady in the pink top there. Give your lungs a go before the mic gets you. You're Hi. First of all, I'd just like to say congratulations and thank you from my heart for just shining a light on a piece of humanity that so much of the world seems willing to ignore. It seems that there's a willful blindness among so many people and their default situation is to just say, oh, but the... And I don't want to go into that, but thank you. But I'm just wondering, have you guys faced any backlash within the film community or further afield than that, considering what's going on in the UK at the moment with the Labour Party? Um, thank you for your comments, yeah. Um, no, actually, to date, no, thankfully. Uh, well, if we, if we get a backlash, we'll deal with it, but um, no, not, not as yet. The biggest problem we had in terms of turning this film into a, into a reality was the, the funding because Per Brennan came on board in 2015 and you know thought it would be a much easier sell the idea of making this film and realised that it wasn't going to be that at all it was going to be a really difficult uphill struggle you know and we've said before that you know doors were open and then invisible hands were closing them left right and centre and we got the palpable sense that there was a huge lobby of people who had great influence within the funding communities that didn't want this film to be made, so um, Brendan didn't stop knocking, thankfully, and uh, we got there eventually. But I think the struggle now is is to get it out there, and we are struggling, as, as, as I was saying, to, saying earlier, that, that we, you know, we're having a difficulty at the moment trying to get it shown, trying to get a broadcaster on board in, in America so we can reach a, a wider audience, and I think, again, that invisible hand scenario is coming into play that people are just shutting off those access routes to us to get it to a wider audience so at the moment we're, we're, we're dealing with film festivals and trying to deal with smaller groups of people and trying to get the word out but yeah the, we haven't personally had any backlash 
we're not sure until we apply to get into Israel for this film festival if we're blacklisted or not. We'll, we'll soon see that, but uh, as in the film community, no one's been largely supportive. Okay, I think probably only time for one more. No? <laughs> we don't. One more. Okay, go on. One, one more. Go, go for it. And a short answer. Yeah, and a short answer. Short question and a short answer. First of all, I want to say thank you very much. Um, being Palestinian-American, you can kind of see already the conflict I have. Um, I would like to know from each of you, how has this changed you? in making this film, and what takeaway is it in your life after experiencing what you've experienced on the ground? Short answer, Andrew. Short answer? Um, but I'm very glad we got to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, thanks very much. Well, I think in the Western world you can get upset by very trivial things. You know, you lose a remote and you're depressed, and then... I, I try and no longer get upset by these sorts of things, because I always remember, you know, my friends in, in, in Gaza. So, yeah, simply that. It's been life-changing for me completely, and it's also, I have, I have a new family.